Hello, and it's time again for another episode of Tales from a Very Minor Celebrity. A look back at my life in radio and TV and the many, many actors, musicians, royals, politicians and members of the general public who have very interesting stories to tell and who I interviewed during my career. This week, it's the final two stars from shows which I grew up watching and which were huge hits during their time. Coming up, Mr. Robert Vaughan, who played Napoleon Solo in the TV series Man From U.N.C.L.E. and one of the coolest spies of his generation. But first, Mike Farrell, best known for his role as Captain B.J. Honeycutt in the television series M.A.S.H., which ran between 1975 and 1983. Farrell was also a producer of Patch Adams in 1998, starring Robin Williams, and he starred in the television series Providence between 1999 and 2002, and which, to be honest, was the reason he was over in the UK and promoting. But of course, we did also go on to talk about MASH as well later on in the interview. But we started with Providence. Yes, actually, we're starting our fifth season, uh, as we refer to it, series, I guess, as you refer to it, um, starting uh, production next week. I saw the preview tape of it yesterday, and it's a nice nice program. Um, It's described here as quite whimsical, and I think that's what Americans are are very good at making. Mm. Whimsical's an interesting word, yes, uh, and nice is another one. You know, it... uh, not to be confused with boring and um, <laughs> and perhaps uh, uh, predictable. Absolutely, we're, we're uh, it's a show about family. Uh, it's a show about an, uh, the, the kind of reassimilation of a family that's been visited by some tragedy and some estrangement. And uh, the um, the young people who play my children, the two daughters and son. Uh, the oldest of the two daughters is the primary character in the show. She plays a doctor who became one in the in the uh, following after the example of me her father who is a doctor of veterinary medicine mm-hmm. she's a doctor of human medicine and um, thus gets involved in any number of um, human dramas uh, once coming home she finds herself working in a free clinic which is um, not something that i suppose you folks in this country would be uh, as uh, as aware of as would we uh, because of uh, our particular medical practice being what it is. Um, uh, many of the people who can't afford medical care have to find a free clinic sure. in the United States, sadly. So, um, But at any rate, it, that gives her the opportunity to explore the medical side. We have the opportunity on the, at home, uh, which is where the show is really centered, to deal with the family problems. And many, many there are. Absolutely. In the very first episode, your wife has died at your daughter's wedding. Correct. It doesn't get any worse than that, really. (laughs) Naming tragedies, (laughs) one one would think that seeing, first of all, a very pregnant young girl walk down the aisle with about to be married in the middle of the ceremony and have her mother keel over dead suggests that it's not a comedy. Although... (laughs) Although, in fact, there are a great many comedic elements to it, which is, I, I guess, uh, from whence comes the word whimsical, uh, because yeah. the, the, the now-dead mother uh, continues to reappear in the show on a weekly basis in the dreams of uh, Sydney, the, uh, the oldest daughter. Absolutely. And there's a very touching scene with you and a bulldog. Oh, yes. Oh, that's a great show, a great uh, aspect of the show. At one point, there was a dog... Uh, a bulldog, a lovely uh, fellow who um, was uh, about to pass on, and his uh, owner uh, brought him to me. And uh, the uh, 
the issue was one of finding a way for him to be allowed to pass on with dignity, and, uh, mm. and we managed to do that. I know a lot of people say never work with children and animals. Did yes, you I keep remembering that. Did you come across any problems, because you are a vet in the program, any, any strange stories? W most of them are not the sort of stories that one wants to relate on <laughs> the radio, but uh, <laughs> I find as a result of the birth of the child of the once pregnant young woman who was walking down the aisle, uh, the, I, I'm in a situation where I'm working with both children and animals, um, and I guess W.C. Fields wasn't all that correct. I'm, I'm having a great time, and the audience seems to be appreciating what we do with both. Because it's apparently as successful, if not more successful, than some of your biggest shows, Annie McBeal, West Wing, to name but two. Well, we, when we debuted, uh, the comparisons were made with the debut of those shows um, and, um, and many others. I guess our debut was uh, quite extraordinary, and the, the audience that found us uh, clung to us, and we've been very fortunate to enjoy great success now for four seasons, four series, and uh, as I say, being going into the fifth, we've got our fingers crossed that it continues. Is it something that you want to carry on doing? Well, at least for the next season, the next series, uh, I, I'm, I'm there by contract, and I'm also there by uh, initi uh, initi initiative, I suppose. Uh, I like it. I enjoy the people I'm working with. The shows have been fun to do. Uh, actually, in one um, series of shows that you haven't yet seen uh, there's a quite uh, dramatic development that befalls my character and oh. it's given me a given me an extraordinary opportunity as an actor so uh, that having now been put behind us um, we're back on even keel and um, it'll be interesting to see what happens next year because i suppose you need you know strong storylines like you're suggesting to to keep it you know fresh for you Absolutely, sure. I mean, you, you, one can, if if things get to be too um, ho hum, you can just mm. you know fall asleep and begin to do your dialogue uh, in, in a state of somnambulation. But uh, that doesn't happen in our show. It's uh, it's a show that really is enriched by the characters and by the writing. Clearly, um, but the investment of the actors is uh, is quite a wonderful one. And these young people I'm working with are very very exciting young talents that I think you'll be seeing and hearing from uh, for many years to come. Forgive me, I must mention MASH. You, of course, oh, were BJ Honeycutt. You're forgiven. Well, it's, it's a program that um, was loved over here and over your side of uh, the pond as well. Mm. And it went for, for a number of years, for, for many, many years. And uh, it must have been something that you enjoyed working on. I loved every minute of it. I was, um, I was lucky to be selected to be one of the members of the cast and uh, felt all those years to be... Uh, uh, nothing less than grateful for the time I had there. I made great personal relationships with the people with whom I worked, and I was very proud of the work we did and, and continue to be. And it finished. Uh, was it your decision or was it the network's decision? No, we decided. Uh, Alan and I actually originally made the decision, and then we, as was our tradition, we sat down with the other members of the cast and talked it through and made the determination that it was time for the show to end rather than allow some network executive at some point in the future to say, well, ho-hum, that's enough of that. Um, we, de we decided we wanted to go out with our heads held high, and uh, that's what we did. And the final program, when it was finally aired, it, it, you know, it, it made the news, really, didn't it? <laughs> yes, it did, in many respects. Uh, we were featured on the cover of one of the major news magazines, and uh, the, uh, the ratings went through the roof, uh, never to be equaled, uh, never have been, and in my view, never will be. Um, but it also made the news in that uh, the the size of the audience in one instance was measured in New York City by the by the uh, 
um, flushing of toilets uh, <laughs> at the end of the show, <laughs> the perceptible drop in the water pressure <laughs> of the city. <laughs> Mike Farrell. MASH, of course, was an acronym for Mobile Army Surgical Hospital and was adapted from the 1970 feature film starring Elliot Gould and Donald Sutherland. The TV show starred Alan Alder as Benjamin Hawkeye Pierce and also Wayne Rogers as Trapper John McIntyre. And they were famously joined by head nurse Margaret Hotlips Houlihan, played by Loretta Swit. Its final episode, Goodbye, Farewell and Amen, was the most-watched finale of any television series and the most-watched episode of a scripted series with an incredible audience of around 125 million people. Now, Robert Vaughan. His television roles include the detective Harry Rule in the 70s series The Protectors, Morgan Wendell in the 1978 miniseries Sentinel, and the formidable General Hunt Stockwell in the fifth season of the 1980s series The A-Team. When we spoke, he was promoting his role as the grifter and card-sharp Albert Stroller in the BBC series Hustle, and he appeared in all but one of its 48 episodes. He also appeared in Coronation Street as Milton Fanshawe from January until February 2012. On the big screen, he portrayed the gunman Lee in The Magnificent Seven and war veteran Chester Gwynn in The Young Philadelphians, which earned him a 1959 Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actor. But it was, of course, his role as the suave spy Napoleon Solo in the 1960s series The Man from Uncle, which he is best known for. And I asked him if the show's success and his resulting popularity was a surprise. It was uh, very uh, surprising in the sense that uh, prior to doing that television series, I'd been basically thought of as a, a dramatic actor doing everything from Hamlet to um, very serious roles on television. He got an Academy Award nomination for a very serious role in a film called The Young Philadelphians of Paul Newman, where I played an alcoholic who uh, lost his arm in Korea and mm. so on. So I'd never been associated with anything light in spirit, and uh, the show not only turned out to be light in spirit, but it turned out to be internationally light in spirit. So the, the principal actors, David McCallum and myself, uh, were treated more as rock stars than, than as actors. Absolutely. That was a big surprise. Yeah. Did you have to think twice about doing it then? Well, I thought it was going to be James Bond on television. In other words, I would be in the living room instead of the bedroom, yeah. but I didn't think it was going to attract young girls what did. <laughs> it must have been fantastic i was going to say it must have afforded you some um, some great times um in your <laughs> private life yes it did and because napoleon solo was was the the main character i think elia kuriakin was a bit of a goody goody you were the ladies man and you made the most of it yeah, that's kind of the way the uh, the show eventually got set up. That that David was, although there be there were two girls in every show that were part of the relationship with the two principal actors, and and David was not nearly as aggressive as as I was in the character that I was playing. He was more of the shy one. I had to build a electric fence around my house because the <laughs> girls were coming in to the front door and so on. Even after I built the electric fence, I was in a shower one afternoon, one morning. 
you know, I had a kind of a Roman sunken tub and uh, with a large bay window looking out on the side of the property. And I was washing away and whistling away, and I looked up, and there were two girls looking in the window at me. No! So um, I, was, uh, I figured out a way to avoid that and scooted them off the property because I didn't want any lawsuits. No, absolutely. How long did it take you, or have you shaken off the, the role of Napoleon Solo? Well, the public, certainly, and when I travel throughout the world, and in England and even in America, that's what they associate me with more than anything else. But it really never affected my career in any way because although I played mainly bad guys or yeah. cold guys or vicious guys or mean guys or devious guys before I did The Man from U.N.C.L.E. And uh, the moment I was done with The Man from U.N.C.L.E., the first movie I did after The Man from U.N.C.L.E. was a film called Bullet with Stephen Queen where I played a very reprehensible political figure. And uh, so I pretty much went back to doing after U.N.C.L.E. what I'd done before. Did you enjoy doing the sort of bad guy roles? Oh, yeah, they're always fun. The audience always remembers the bad guy. They, don't, they, they do. They, they may uh, love the hero, but they remember the bad guy. Yeah, absolutely. But talking of heroes, you were also in The Magnificent Seven. And yep. sad to say, you are the only remaining member of that group. Uh, that is an accurate observation, but I, I look at it this way. It's better than the alternative. <laughs> it is, but so many great actors have sadly passed away but um it, it's great that you're around even yeah. better for you i suppose absolutely <laughs> yeah my wife said to me recently when we had uh, a memorial service for jimmy coburn who i went to college with i've known him all my life as a matter of fact and uh my wife said to me shortly after she said i think you've got to invest in a new black suit because you're attending a lot of memorial these days <laughs> kind of a silly thing to joke about but uh, there do seem to be a number of the old timers friends of mine that have been around for a long time that are passing on. Robert Vaughan, The Man from Uncle series premiered on September 22, 1964, completing its run on January the 15th, 1968. The programme led the spy fiction craze on television, and by 1966 there were nearly a dozen imitators. There was also a spin-off series, The Girl from Uncle, and a novel, comic book series, and the inevitable merchandising as well. Robert Vaughan died in a hospice in Danbury, Connecticut on November the 11th, 2016, 11 days before his 84th birthday after a year-long treatment for leukaemia. Incidentally, the Man from Uncle was intended as a vehicle for Robert Vaughan, but made David McCallum, who played the mysterious Russian agent Ilya Kuryakin, into a sex symbol, his Beatles-style blonde haircut providing a trendy contrast to Vaughan's clean-cut appearance. McCallum's character was originally conceived as a peripheral one. However, Vaughan and McCallum's on-screen chemistry was quickly recognised by the producers and McCallum was elevated to co-star status. And that's it for this episode and the last in this short series looking back at the programmes which I used to love as a child and which I was lucky enough through my job to go on and interview some of the stars from those shows in later life. Now, next week, the first of another short series looking back at some of the many singers and musicians I've interviewed over the years. And first up is Alison Moyer, who came to prominence as half of the duo Yazoo and then went on to carve out a very successful career as a solo artist. 
no, Vince had had enough. You know, he'd had enough of working with me. <laughs> he did. And, Feb, you know, that's, that's okay. And I do understand that because it's like, this was his thing. You know, if he, Vince could have sung, he would have sung. But but he couldn't, so he needed a singer. And it must be tough when you've made yourself famous. You've called somebody in and suddenly they've got an opinion, you know. So I can understand that it was difficult for him. But he had enough and didn't want to work with me anymore. And, and I was kind of... I was gutted. I was quite gutted by it. You can imagine. Well, yeah, it's like this was my kind of... I, I didn't know anyone in the music industry. I, I hadn't kind of made connections and I didn't really quite know what to do next. I didn't want it to end. It had only just started, you know, but, but I had to deal with it. That's next week on Tales from a Very Minor Celebrity. 